Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Clean your gun and tune your bow We're the Hunt Collective Show Calling hunters new and old The Hunt Collective Show Where facts are facts and opinions are subjective You're listening now to the Hunt Collective Hey everybody! Welcome to another episode of the Hunting Collective I am Ben O'Brien and I think Phil hates it when I yell into the microphone. It always startles me. I never get used to it. Yeah, I have not gotten used times. to it. Well, probably not that, because you weren't here the whole time. No. But it's, uh, tens of episodes that you've been on. At least tens. I've yelled at you at the beginning of each one. Yes. Now, that may be, a Phil, a precursor to when we're shooting shotguns. Are you going to be... You're going to yell, yeah! <laughs> yell in my ear every, every time, time you pull the, pull the trigger? Yeah. Hey! Hey, everybody! <laughs> That's how I'm going to tell you to shoot the turkey uh-huh. when it's in range. Usually, I go, shoot, shoot, that, I, shoot, I Listen, I've never done this before, but that doesn't sound effective. Yeah. Hey! And then you, boom, shoot yeah. him right there. Because yeah, he'll put his head up if I do that. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. Well... Welcome to, uh, it's not the penultimate, that's next episode. What's before penultimate? Is there something? Look that up. Uh, Somebody Google an- it. Anti-penultimate. Whatever, the thing before the penultimate. Yes. The pre-penultimate episode of the Hunting Collective we have this week, next week, and then the week after, and then we're done. Uh, forever and ever. We're very emotional about it, um, but we're going to put on a good show. We're not even going to think about it, are we, Phil? The thing about what? Yeah, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. Exactly. We're not going to, because then we get we might cry. Phil definitely will cry. Yeah, well, yeah, I've, I've brought in at least six boxes of Kleenex into the podcast studio. Yeah. I think that'll be enough. Yeah, the whole next episode is going to be Phil just sitting here while I play in the arms of an angel and see how long it takes. How about instead of that, cry. we play the, the Sizzler commercial? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think, honestly, that would probably make me cry first. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we're, basically the next three episodes, we're going to try to make Phil cry. And that's that's really all this is all about. Yeah. But today, uh, being that we have our own um, uh, 
accidental conservation organization that we started here at THC. We're going to have Land Tawny on. Uh, he is the man, the myth, the legend, the public land defender. Uh, the I think he's the CEO and president, and just he just runs the show over there at BHA, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. He's been on the show many times. We'll call him a regular guest, but good to have him back on to talk all things rendezvous, which you can come see me at the old uh, BHA rendezvous. First week of June, first weekend in June. You can come check me out there, um, hang out. We're all going to camp. It's going to be great. It's going to be a, you know, a socially distant camping good time, one of the coolest conservation parties that I've ever heard of. Uh, and speaking of that, Phil, we're back from the Trek for Turkeys. Do I look – what do I look like? Haggard. Haggard. I feel yes. haggard. You don't look You don't look, look too bad. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Uh, like I was telling you, it was uh, – I think we're out there for 11 days – I made probably 12 days total if you count the travel time on the trek for turkeys with First Light. You heard from Ford Van Fossen last week. we got a couple of updates for you. Uh, namely that we have raised $28,770 in the trek for turkeys. So thank you. Big round of applause. Phil clap for everybody. The turkeys are rich now. I think the turkeys actually just get that money in a, you know, in a savings account. They can use it however they want. Um, <laughs> we should expand on this. Yeah. Let's, let's let's role play. How would a turkey spend money? Yeah, I don't know. He's like more bugs, please. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I know that's going to be real. Let's cut that out. That was real lame. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's what right now. There's uh, 800. I think 821 members. We've signed up through our Trek for Turkeys telethon. Content will be going on the First Light YouTube and First Light Instagram channels all the way through the end of the week, all the way through Saturday. You'll see me shoot a turkey in Nebraska. You'll see me call in some turkeys for Kevin Harlander in Nebraska. You'll see Kevin Harlander shoot a turkey in Wyoming and me shoot a turkey in Wyoming. So there is approximately five turkeys that get killed in those episodes, if that's if you're counting, if that's the thing that you're there for. Uh, we're also going to highlight some conservation projects throughout that content. And we're looking to get to 1,000 members signed up by the time we're all done with this, which means by the end of, of this current week, so I plan on signing up for some sort of – I think that the gold membership is what I'll be signing up for. I can't remember how they exactly do it, but I'm going to live on uh, Instagram or somewhere where you can see it. I'm going to sign up for my uh, big donation. So my plan is to um, put as much of my own money as I can into this to make sure that we really drive home – uh, what we're doing with the NWTF because it's important. They're an important organization. And again, we saw some on the ground work um, through our travels with guys like Jaron McJunkin and Jason Tarwater, regional folks, biologists, regional directors for the NWTF. So we got to see what those guys really do. Uh, and I'm a little bit jealous of their jobs. I think I would love to do their jobs. And now that I don't have a podcast, Phil, I got a little extra time. Yeah, so much free time. Yeah, so, so much free time. Um, and so that's, that's, you need to do it there again. If you want to go to your Y O U R dot NWTF dot org slash first light, I know that's a lot, or you can just go over to first lights, Instagram stories and swipe up whenever you see the content, you can be a part of this pretty kick-ass campaign, this truck for turkeys. Again, 821 members have been signed up to this moment right now. Hopefully by the end of the week, we'll have a thousand and we can celebrate a big chunk of money going over there to our good friends at NWTF. Shout out to everybody that volunteers for that organization that is a part of it and that helps support turkeys and turkey hunting. Uh, 
because Phil the engineer is about to embark on his journey. People have, hundreds of people have asked me every time I do anything. Every, like, I'm at the grocery store. I'm like, uh, I have a coupon. They're like, I'll do you now. Well, when Phil's going to hit, when's Phil's first hunt? Like, this is, this is my life right now, Phil. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. It feels weird to have like a dozens, nay, hundreds. It's Let's say lot. dozens, uh, conservatively. People care, be more invested in something <laughs> than, than you are. By you, I mean me. Yeah. And I think <laughs> yeah. that's partly what's driving their investment in it. They want to see a triumphant moment where you finally come that there's a clarity in your It's a lot of pressure. Path. Yeah. Because I'm is. like, well, what if I don't feel that moment? Well, first of all, what if I don't kill a turkey? Which is like, honestly, right. I'm fine, fine with that. But if I do, <laughs> and it doesn't like, I feel like you and half of your audience wants me to have some sort of like, yeah. I, I see the light moment. Yes. And uh, that's it's too much. As you're out in the woods, I'm basically going to be in your ear going, remember how much this means to me. Yeah. Remember, this means everything. I want you to read the Tenth Legion with your left eye and aim down sights with your right eye. Yes, I've brought Colonel Tom Kelly along <laughs> to to say to read passages from the Tenth Legion while you're. Can you help me out? Shut up, Tom. <laughs> Tom, we're trying to kill a turkey. Uh, I that's 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 really kind of the narrative here, Phil. As 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 a man that likes to stoke a good narrative, is that you are going forth. As a babe in the woods uh-huh. that doesn't really want to be in the woods, <laughs> <laughs> particularly, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna force you into an epiphany. Okay, or can you be forced into an epiphany? We'll we'll find out. Yes, we'll find out next uh-huh. week here on the show. Uh, so the plan is, we can make the plan right now. But the plan is, I, I want to try to hunt locally here a little bit. Locally, I mean, an undisclosed. Sounds locations. great to me. Yeah, you like this. Yes, <laughs> but you still have to get up early. You prepared? I'm for that? fine with that. Four a.m. Good? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, 4 a.m., probably meet we've, at We've a... both had multiple children. That's I, true, I, yeah. I, can, I can get yeah, up at yeah, 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 4 a.m. easy. No problem. Are you going to vomit on me when, when <laughs> we get to the... We'll meet yeah. at a gas station or something. Sure. And we'll probably get like a weird egg sandwich with too much grease that uh-huh. doesn't help us. Yep. And then we will uh, go forth into the field here locally mm-hmm. for, for a number of mornings, probably three, four mornings. Then we'll come back, do our jobs, you know, come back like 10 o'clock, do our jobs. But we do have to have kind of like break glass in case of emergency plan mm. to go. We got to travel. Are you okay with, with like a travel? We like go two or three hours to a place. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here, I'm afraid two or three hours that you're saying now, I'm afraid that means like four to five. It really kind of does, yeah. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to under undersell it. Yeah. Um, so anybody write in, drop us your waypoints where all the turkeys are so me and Phil can have a really easy yep. uh, an easy hunt. That's what we'd like to do. Um, but that's what we're going to be doing over the next week, and you will hear that in the coming weeks of the podcast. Um, we'll see how it goes. And... Um, I will be filming it all, and then we will release it on my Instagram, BennyOB301, I believe. That's, <laughs> it's been a long... Don't ask me. <laughs> it's been a long trek for turkeys. Uh, synapses aren't quite firing. But that's what I'm going to do. I'll film it all. I'm going to be right behind. We have, we have, we're going to have some people accompanying us. Uh, hopefully, we can have Miles Nolte come along. Love Miles. And he's going to maybe film it and then do some like Jim Nance type, hello, friend. Well, and he's going to do some uh, play-by-play, possibly, mm. as well. So just just get ready. It's going to be a party. We're going to have fun. It's a celebration of all the things we hold dear here at the Hunting Collective, including new hunters, 
Phil the engineer, turkeys, and hopefully White Claw because that's going down. Oh, sure. If we get one, Daddy's getting hammered. Yes. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to. We haven't talked about it on the podcast, Ben. White Claw has announced what a new line of drinks called White Claw Surge. They have not. That, have, that are 8% alcohol. How did I miss this? I've been on the trek for, tur- did this come out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy m- Eight percent alcohol. Eight percent. Let me Google this. And uh, I'm. Have you had I'm, one? A, I'm afraid for you. I have, have to you be had honest. One? I have not. I don't know if they've hit shelves yet. Search if you search White Claw Surge. <laughs> I think there are new flavors as well. <laughs> this one says it was cut off, but the title on my Google was White Claw Surge Blood. Like, Holy <laughs> crap! <laughs> they've gone. They've gone four loco on uh-huh. us. Uh, blood orange is the actual flavor. Eight percent. Eight percent alcohol. White claw surge is what happens when hard seltzer reaches new heights, with a hint of sweetness from the un- unmistakable taste of blood orange. Huh. This mouthwatering take on your favorite hard seltzer provides a bold surge of refreshment. Now, is surge just means like does it got some caffeine in there too, or they just put more alcohol in? It I think what? it's just more alcohol. Holy moly! All right, cool. I'm in. Let's go. We'll bring. I will share a white claw surge with you post turkey killing, turkey death. Got it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now everybody out there, we can't endorse that kind of activity because you. Uh, but we can say we're doing it. Oh sure. And you can do whatever you want. You can and do what, what we're doing. I don't know what I'm saying. You're an adult. Make your own decisions. I don't know what I'm saying. This is. Ugh. All right. Listen. We got one thing that we do have. Turkeys um, are going down everywhere. A lot of people having success. But a lot of people in our chapters are having success. So if you didn't mind, Phil, I would like to highlight some of of our chapter successes. Is that okay? It's a great idea. Thank you. Um, Particularly, I'm just going to go down the list here. Um, And we have to, if your turkey season hasn't opened yet and you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I I don't know what to do. I mean, it is almost the end of April, and if you live, AB Rich wrote in and said turkey season doesn't start in New England till the end of April at the earliest, and I would move away from there immediately. I don't know what, like what <laughs> kind well, does of that mean? Torture? It, does, I'm guessing that means it goes longer too, or is it just a it shorter doesn't season? Matter. It doesn't, no, it doesn't matter. matter because you got to sit be, around be all patient. April watching all everyone else kill yes. turkeys. Okay, yeah. I don't want to be tortured for the month of April. The month yeah. of April is supposed to be a joyous occasion wherein we hunt turkeys all together as one. Mm. And so maybe we take on this idea. Now, if I was a biologist, I might say, "Oh, well, if we hunt the earlier we hunt turkeys, the more it affects their breeding patterns." Yada yada yada. But if I'm being completely selfish. Social media, I got to look at all these people killing turkeys. And as we've discussed on the podcast, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Yes. Me. As I said in the very beginning, yeah. it's about me. Uh, but A.B. Rich obviously didn't get one. Uh, but there's a lot of people that did. Um, there's a, uh, I don't know, was, we don't know if this is a young lady or a young man, but Montana Precker from Minnesota, uh, he shared his story through Derek over there on our Minnesota page. They camped out in the state forest with his recurve uh, last weekend. He said he was not expecting a ton of success, but glad to spend a couple of days in the woods and maybe see a bird. First morning, went on a pre-dawn hike trying to locate a a roost with no luck. Went to camp, heard a gobble a couple hundred yards out. See, we could do that. Go back to the truck, eat a sandwich, drink a surge, (laughs) 
No, Ben, we saved the surge. Oh, until yeah, you're after. right. You're right. Thank you for being a voice of reason. Yeah, that's why I'm here. You know, can't midday surge. Can't have a midday no. surge. Okay, I've been talking about ethics. Uh, I'm coming off the rails. This <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I went back to camp and heard a gobble a couple hundred yards out. Quickly set up my blind, maybe 50 yards from my tent, and started calling. You just got in the tent. You didn't have to set up a blind. You could have just crawled in your tent. Uh, Big Tom came over the ridge in full strut, drumming, spitting, uh, and came in within 40 yards. I didn't get a shot, but calling in a public land bird on my first morning made for a pretty cool experience. I ordered a decoy to entice them those last few yards, and I'll be back as soon as possible. He said, I don't know if that's riveting, but I think it is. Uh, so, so congratulations on calling one close, Montana, and keep getting after it. Uh, Luke Reeves tripled Whoa. in Nebraska. Well done. Looks like with his brother. So, well done there. Dave Campbell got his first bird the other day, it looks like. I'm trying to make sure I read all these comments right. There's a lot of stories that, that our chapter leaders have shared with us. Uh, so, congrats, Dave Campbell. That looks like a nice eastern turkey. Well done, man. Looks like you shot it, shot it right in the neck, which is what you're kind of aiming for. Keith Sprague said, I was able to hunt with my turkey mentors who have been teaching me the past three seasons. First day of this season, we had some birds that would not budge for a, for a call and one Tom who came in close, but I didn't quite seal the deal. Second day, I heard more birds calling at one spot than I've ever heard before. At one point, at least eight to ten times were calling a group of guinea hens, a rooster, an actual peacock, and my expert turkey mentor calling sweet nothings to them all at the same time. He doesn't give any details to how that went down, where the peacock came in. Mm. I struggled not to laugh out loud. Two checks led the charge trying to find that sexy hen behind me. But when I attempted to swing the barrel up and around the tree trunk at my 10 o'clock to get a bead at those youngsters coming in, they got spooked. We headed off to try a different spot and spotted a tom in full strut in front of a hen in someone's yard. I, I slowed down and wishfully brought up Onyx, hoping for a sliver of public land within calling distance. Lo and behold, the next property over was public land. We pulled over, jumped out, found three cozy tree trunks, and started calling. It took a few minutes for the time to finish with the hen he had been with, but sure enough, he came gobbling when he was ready. A small berm blocked him for, from view for about 50, 60 yards. Listening to him work closer had my heart absolutely pounding. He started to swing around to the side, wary of the hen he couldn't see, but at about 30 yards, I dropped him in his tracks. Nice mature Tom, at least three years old, who had probably just finished siring this year's poults. He is only my second turkey, and I couldn't believe how shaky I was. But I am so thankful to have him to share with my family. He's delicious, by the way. Keith, now, uh, before we get to any more of these, Phil, how are you feeling about this? You're part of a community, assuming that yes. you signed up for the Montana page. I'm in two pages. Oh, what are the pages? <clears throat> Montana and New England, because I was pers personally invited by A.B. Rich, oh, who is my only friend on Facebook, and oh. I will not accept anymore. <laughs> I promised that to A.B. Rich. A.B. Rich is that exalted, exalted position. Yes. But yeah, no, I've been seeing, I, I saw Luke's pictures the other day. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I just, because didn't you, I, listen, I don't want to bring back any uh, dark memories, you didn't have a very successful turkey season last year. Right? I did not. I did not kill a bird for the maybe the first time since I was twelve or thirteen. I don't know okay. for a long time for quite a while. Because I don't think I don't think it was just you either. I think I don't know if it does. Does it does this seem typical? Is it typical for like to have like so many people 
like be well, having success or is it or is it more no, well listen yeah i mean i don't know if you know you never know like we were talking about correlations the other day like i i was feeling like in texas and in south dakota and other places like you see a lot of turkeys on the roads mm-hmm. but are these just places with a lot of turkeys and a lot of roads so invariably you're going to see them there and that's the only place you have visibility anyway or is mm-hmm. that turkey likes to turkeys like to be in roads I don't know. Same thing applies here. Am I just looking at more? Am I asking for more interaction? Exactly. No, I think this is, you know, it's pretty normal. Turkeys can be, as as everyone listening to this will know, turkeys can be easy. Like it can be, you can go set up by a roost tree and and make two completely incompetent calls and they come running into your decoys. Mm -hmm. Um, You can hunt them for weeks on end and not hear a gobble. In fact, the trek for turkeys was kind of like two halves. The weather sucked throughout, but it was kind of two halves. The first half, not a lot of goblin turkeys really at doing things that I wasn't used to them doing. And the second half was pretty normal, right? Mm-hmm. We find a fired up bird, we call them in, we kill them, you know, we double a couple of different times. And so, but that, I think that's, that's indicative of turkey hunting. And that's why it's so incredibly interesting because there isn't a playbook for the person that says, I went out in camp and we hunted three days and got eight birds. And there's another guy who was like, I was in through, like, we got one. And that was, we feel like we, we mm. shot it as we were walking back to the truck. Yeah. So, but even the stories we're hearing from Keith and all these other guys, like, this is pretty normal if you're a public land hunter. Like, you see a turkey in somebody's yard and you're like hoping so bad that there's just some public land somewhere near that yard. <laughs> yeah. And often that's what you're doing, um, quite honestly. So, I, we caught a couple of birds in Nebraska under a, a fence off of private into in the public and and uh, that's a big part of the game um dare i say a strategy field that we might even get into here in the next couple of weeks okay we don't know but guess who got one air call air call air call patron saint of thc uh he got he said i got on this bird about 9 30 heard him gobble he ended up down the mountain with another gobbler he gobbled at the call, but he wasn't moving. I got tired of messing with him, and I said, I'm doing something. If it's wrong, you can only hunt till 1 o'clock in West Virginia, which is a, a good thing for napping, which which is true. <laughs> uh, I pulled out two pot calls and went to work with a fighting purr and simulated wing beats. And Jake calls. He went deep. They started gobbling and moving closer, so I'd done some more and waited a few minutes, put my calls beside me, and gave them a little, gave them a little every few minutes. They came over the hill, and I shot one in the face at 11.10. Amen. That was Eric Hall. Chris Stocker said, uh, one, one of the Washington admins, Mike Carden and myself, took out two brand-new turkey hunters to Nebraska for four days. We got a few birds, but the first was one of the mentees' first birds of any kind ever. We hiked up a logging road late afternoon. It was hot. Things had been quiet for a couple hours, and the road had about 800 feet of elevation gain. We were taking a shot at trying to pull Tom up from ag fields below. See, I've been there. Uh, There's a field that Mike knew to be productive about 400 feet below a knob at the end of a logging road. As we got close to the end of the road, we were sweaty, hot, and out of breath. Mike hit a peacock call. We got a gobble. Now, why are peacocks so, do you think, so um, prevalent in this? I have no idea. It's the first time hearing anything about peacocks in relation is, to turkey I'm, hunting somebody can involve me in this i have I've never heard <laughs> i don't even know what a peacock call would sound like nope i don't, I don't either so please write into thc at the uh 
tell us what the hell a peacock call is used for and what it even sounds like. Anyway, he hits this peacock call. Apparently it works because a gobble that was closer than we expected happened. They quickly set up one hen and got into position against some trees. Uh, he says, Mike is by far the most experienced turkey hunter and our best caller. So we settled in with a couple pretty quiet yelps. Bam, gobble back almost on top of him. He waited a minute and or two and hit it again. Gobble even closer. He's coming in. Within four or five minutes, he's there. We can't see him, but we can hear him and feel him drumming. He comes over the ledge, gobbling and getting his strut on. Adrenaline is pumping. And later, the mentee told me he couldn't believe how bad he was shaking as the tom came into view. From my vantage point and the mentees, we could see the tom and had four buddies and that had four buddies with him. I'm thinking, let them get closer to the decoy, be patient. But Mike couldn't see the other toms. As the main Tom turned back to look at his buddies, Mike thought he was spooking and said, shoot him. Bam, shots fired. The other Toms take to the air and are gone in the blink of an eye, but our mentee laid down the big boy. It was awesome. He was beyond excited. The hike down, we just recanted the story and laughed, and he is hooked. Damn right, Phil. Feels real good. The THC could bring people together and they go turkey hunting. Uh, a bunch of other stories. Um... TJ Norman in Western Oklahoma, congratulations. I could go on and on. John Stelfew wrote in with a, with a cool story. Everybody, everybody. So it feels, if you want to feel a part of a community, you see dozens, hundreds of people sharing the same stories of shaking when the turkey gets in there or having to play the same game to try to get a time to come within range. Those be the ties that bind, Philip. And you soon will be telling your own story, will you not? Uh, I shall. <laughs> he shall. All right, everybody. Keep hunting turkeys. Your Y-O-U-R dot NWTF.org slash First Light. If you want to get a membership, there's an awesome contest going on over there where you can win a Weatherby 18i, uh, Onyx Premium membership. You can win a First Light kit styled by one Stephen Ranella. And maybe even Phil the Engineer will come and hang out with you guys while you do it. You never know. I like to promise things for Phil that he that he's not aware of. Uh, so go do that. It really means a lot to us. We're trying to get to a thousand, as I said. That is very important. The Trek for Turks. Thank you to First Light. Thanks to NWTF. Whether it be everybody that's been involved, um, the Trek for Turks will be over this Saturday. But you can watch all that content, as I said, over on First Light's Instagram and YouTube channel. And now, Phil, we're moving on to our buddy, Land Tawny. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today 
or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Lantani, hello, sir. Good afternoon, Ben O'Brien. What's going on, my friend? Oh, just enjoying another day in paradise in Missoula, Montana. It is really paradise. We were just talking about how there's nothing really for anybody in Montana. Uh, that is just true. Wheat. Just that wheat. That is true. Wheat farmers. Wheat and uh, and some mining, I think we were saying. Yeah, a lot of mining, a lot of wheat. Uh, beyond that, I, I don't know what there is. Uh, Rachel nothing Schmidt. To see, nothing to do. Nothing to see, Nothing to do. Didn't you kind of do that for a job prior to your new gig? You were kind of working on this whole outdoor recreation thing in Montana, weren't you? Yeah, outdoor recreation economy. It's That's the last economy. time you and I had the chance to visit. Yeah, last time you podcast. were here. I would yeah. say you both of you guys are rec- uh, recurring guests. It only takes uh, two times to get you into the recurring <laughs> guest slot. <laughs> awesome. I have reached new status. You really have. You really have. Um Lantani, first of all, we're we're coming on last year around this time. Uh, our all of our lives are thrown into turmoil, and we were feverishly trying to figure out what the hell to do for uh, BHA Rendezvous. Uh, really, the entire organization as a whole, but particularly the big event that is Rendezvous. You want to take us back in time because I do want to kind of talk about how COVID. Uh, impacted the conservation world and impacted what we do and and how we're yeah. coming out of it. Um, but take us back to that moment in time, man. Last year around the end of April, you remember what you were thinking, doing, whether you I were mean, wearing pants. Uh, I'm not wearing pants now, so I don't know if much has changed since last year. But I think it was like an oh shit moment, right? Like here's this gigantic party that we throw one once a year. It's like the rendezvous, true sense of the word, like bringing people together stoking the fire, swapping stories, making a little bit of money. Like all of a sudden we realized, oh, we can't do that. And and so we pivoted to virtual. And Ben, I got to say thank you for the help that you provided and just those conversations that we had leading up to that. And then also just your engagement throughout our virtual rendezvous that we had. But we had a rad time, man. It was fun. 
And, uh, and, and while we couldn't be there in person, I think we pulled off a pretty good event. Um, and we learned a ton. And so, you know, that the rendezvous last year, I think, set us up for the rest of kind of the quote unquote year of COVID. And that year in COVID um, was learning how to work virtually. And, and so rendezvous was the first shot at that. And, you know, um, we probably, well, not we probably, we were down 50% as far as revenue goes. Uh, but we also were able to engage way more people across the country. And one of the great things that I heard after Rendezvous last year from multiple people was, man, I've never been able to attend Rendezvous. Either like financially it didn't work out for me or the timing didn't work out. But since you guys did something virtually, I was able to participate. And oh my goodness, did I have so much fun. And so, you know, when we should have been doing virtual before this, to be totally honest, like so we could include more people. But what we learned last year is that, you know, virtual is a way to, to engage everybody. So, um, yeah, last year was kind of an oh shit moment that I think everybody was experiencing. But we learned a lot from it and are better for it. So we came out of COVID and I did have fun land uh, planning that with you guys and being a part of that. I, I'd, you know, obviously been a part of them before, but never that intimately. And as as we were talking about when we were going through that, you know, you figure you're going to really learn some things that you wouldn't have learned unless forced into that situation. You know, none of us thought we were going to be stuck where we were. And, uh, yet here, there we were at that time. And can you give us a sense of kind of the ebbs and flows in the conservation space from your perspective, you know, as the pandemic hit and as now we seem to kind of be coming out of it, we can gather again. And in your opinion, where are we and where do we start and kind of give everybody you know, a, the lay of the land, if you will. The lay of the land from land. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we weren't the only people that were affected by the lack of opportunities to be able to do in-person events. And and so, you know, that, that hurt the entire community. I would say that, you know, 2% for conservation in particular, I think, made people aware of that. And so, you know, I think there was, you know, we ended the year last year with one of our better years at end of the year giving just because, you know, people knew that we weren't having these events and that we were we were down 50% at rendezvous, but like 30% overall for the year. And so, you know, that wasn't a hard story for people to learn because it was happening to everybody. Um, I think that, you know, another thing that we learned besides just do virtual was that elected officials love virtual events. They don't have to like travel somewhere. They can go spend a half an hour and then, you know, be with 30 people or 50 people, or 1,000 people that are their constituents. And so we learned that elected officials love virtual opportunities. Um, so I think that's something that not only we've learned, but hopefully some of our uh, counterparts, you know, other organizations. Where we are now, and we're sitting on a powder keg, man. Like, I mean, people are ready to get together. And, you know, as, you know, every single state is kind of different, every single community is different on how we're getting back together, where we can get together, we're already having events and we're starting to stack up. Like our, our chapter coordinators right now are super nervous. They just see the calendar starting to fill up with events that they need to be a part of. So I think we're sitting on a powder keg and I think rendezvous, like the rendezvous, you know, is tough to capture the energy from last year, you know, because we're all virtual. I think there was still some of that energy. But in person, it's like, I mean, it's hard to describe, but it is electric. And so I am looking forward to that. I think the people that are coming are looking forward to that. So it's actually going to be exciting. 
And then people are going to go home and those little little tentacles of excitement are going to go home. And I think we're going to have even more events and um, really get back online, which is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel like the roaring 21s, man. Like, what I thought. <laughs> Every time I go, I was at the grocery store the other day, and I just people were just bopping around. Like I felt like the nervousness was a little bit had had uh, subsided at least for for a little bit. The weather's starting to get nice, at least it's trying to here in uh, Montucky. But Rachel, you have you have one of the best titles ever. You were you're now employed at BHA, which we are extremely and i can't tell you how excited we are i don't think there's a word for it twitter paid it is the only thing i can think of um what's your title now and you know you can leave it a mystery of how it came to be or you could explain but the title itself oh yeah i i feel like i'm running a track record of epic um titles through my career to be completely honest um i live a good life and do a lot of amazing things but um yes So I am the director of Innovative Alliances here at BHA. Um, I am heading up a department I am affectionately calling the Energy Development Team and Department. Um, And we are doing fundraising. We're doing business development. And it's um, about growing support and resources for our members to get all the amazing work um, that they do done and amplify it and um, ramp it up. So, yeah, uh, it's I, you know, have worked with BHA for so many years. It's been awesome. You know, I started working with BHA when I was with Kimber, and then I was actually on the national board, um, stepped away from that, worked in the governor's office. Um, and I just am fairly familiar with BHA as an organization on the national level and the state level and all of the members and, you know, intimately know the kind of work and the kind of that is done by our membership, the energy um, I, I routinely tell everybody if for one moment you think that you are cool or a badass in any sense, just go hang out with some very humble BHA members and you will feel like a pile um, because they're remarkable people and doing remarkable things every day and puts me to shame and it makes me want to work harder. But um, just, I don't know, we just do things differently this organization. We, we work differently. We get done things done differently. So when you're looking at, you know, a business development team, you know, do we want to say it in a traditional way? Well, no, because we don't do things traditional. So that's where my title came from. Yeah, I think everybody on this uh, chat here, we've all kind of spent a lot of time with BHA. It's been a particularly big part of my professional and personal life for the last, I don't know, five years probably. Land, where are you at year-wise? How long have you been immersed? I hit eight shit? years this May, dude, which yeah. is like... I can't believe like it's one of those things. It's like it's like my kids getting older. Like everybody tells you it's gonna go faster than you think it is. Like eight years seems like just like a blink of the eye, to be totally honest. And uh I was actually preparing for this today, searched on your name, and an email came up from Ben Long, and it was like Ben O'Brien, question mark, North American board. And so it's like, dude, like it's just it's it's fun to be part of a family, man. Was that question more like, why did you do that? No. Or <laughs> yeah. actually, actually, this was after you were on the board, and he was like, "What are you doing?" No, no, no. He was, he was one of our one of our stalwarts, I would say. And Ben Long recognized who you were and the uh, opportunity to provide value to a growing organization, and he thought you were a good idea. And we haven't looked back since. Well, I did. Yeah, I did not know that till just now. Thank you, Ben Long. Uh, ben Long has intermittently throughout my career sent good advice and and plaudits and things 
as we've gone along. Uh, an exceptional individual there. But yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I've spent a lot of time in the organization. And as Rachel, you mentioned, you start to pick up on, you know, exceptional individuals that have passion for the things that we have passion for. Um, and there's, it's hard to describe. And I will say the reason why I wanted to have you on, there's there's many, but one of the things that marks my yearly kind of transformation is I get about every January, February, I get super stressed out about life. I'm trying to reset life, right? You're trying to re-get your priorities. There's an, an invariably new challenges. And, you, and I start to think, man, I haven't done enough for BHA. I haven't been involved enough. I haven't felt that energy in a while. I haven't been able to kind of siphon it into my life. And then here comes Rendezvous to save me every single year. That's why last year was a bit of a tough one. But I'm always, I think I probably yearly just call land and say, hey man, I think I'm not doing enough. I don't, I don't feel connected enough. And then the Rendezvous comes and saves me. And I'm like, oh, I am energized. I feel like I've been with my people enough to go f- forward and do good work. So land, you want to kind of give people your best description of at least in our world, the importance of, of the rendezvous itself. Well, Ben, uh, I'm glad to hear that it fills your bucket because it fills mine too. And I think it fills everybody that comes to rendezvous bucket. What I mean by that is that like, yeah, we all go through these cycles, right? Like you get through the winter and now we're into spring and this year in particular, you know, the I'm, I'm anticipating my, my Aspen leaves like sprouting. Like I'm, I'm going out every single day. and looking at those buds right now. So I'm just so excited about it. You know, I had Northern flickers and uh, some um, uh, grow speaks this morning on my feeder. And so like spring is like this rejuvenation, right? And so that's, that's really what I think rendezvous would be like a rejuvenation and fill in the bucket, like top number one. But as I talked about earlier too, is it's just this opportunity to come together and really have a good time with all these people coming from across the country. So when Rachel describes, you know, these folks that she gets to meet that humbler, I mean, I'm humbled every single day. Like, I don't know, like, you know, like I'm very lucky one to know these people, but also to learn from them. And this is a great chance to like, you know, get, get around, you know, a, a group of folks that not only you can learn from, but they're really a fun to be around too. So it's, it fills your bucket. It's absolutely like, fun and you learn something. So there's not many things in my life that check all three of those things. Uh, Specifically, you know, I think that, that we get together and um, the training part is, is really like learning some skills. Like I know Hank Shaw this year is going to be teaching us how to uh, cook fish in the backcountry with like corn husks. And when he told me about this, I was like, corn husk, dude, lightweight and then you can throw it in the fire like i always feel weird about that tinfoil right and that tinfoil you got to scrunch up if you bring some with you and then stuff it in your bag somewhere it still smells like food so if you're around grizzly bears like what are you doing but yeah hank shaw is gonna be teaching some some stuff we're gonna break down a whole bison this year now <laughs> i could learn I a ton about that. yes i could learn well, a ton about butchering. i feel like we need to set the stage here though hold on yeah. <laughs> So Land. we are not got to the bison too. Okay, early. First of all, we're coming out of COVID. So we're losing our ever loving minds because I'm so excited to hopefully hug the people who will hug me back. But this year rendezvous is going old school. So before we talk about breaking down a bison, because I'm sure everybody's like, they're going to drag a Buffalo into a convention center. No, we're not. We're not doing that. Um, we could, and that is something we would do, but um, this year it's in Missoula, Montana 
and it is a, a traditional camp out. We literally have this giant place called Fort Missoula. It's this huge outdoor venue. We have two different campgrounds and all of the BHA events and festivities are going to be held outside. So we're creating as safe of a space as possible as we're slowly crawling our, our ways out of this pandemic. And we can touch on it more. We're doing it all live virtually as well. So people that are there obviously are hands-on, literally cutting up a whole buffalo. But everybody can join via virtual and observe everything, man on the street style, interactive questions, all that good stuff. So now we can go back to land talking about literally dismantling an entire buffalo for everyone. And it is going to be outside at Fort Missoula. (laughs) Okay, now go back to the buffalo. So Rachel, thank you for uh, setting the stage. Uh, Ben O'Brien, you already know this, but this is why I love having her on the team. She's like, whoa, 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 Lynn. Like, before you do that, let me talk about this, right? Um, So the bison, the bison. We're going to have a full bison. And we're going to, like, I think I could learn something about butchering, right? Like, anytime you're around somebody who really knows what they're doing, you can learn something. But then there's this thing called a bison, which is just daunting in general. And so, like, the size of that. And so we're going we're gonna to break that animal down. I think we're going to have actually two bison. And then the next day, we're actually going to cook it. And so not only are we going to teach you how to do this, but we're actually going to feed you uh, with the bison that you learn from as well. But, you know, the idea... Is really you're going to learn a ton. Um, we're going to have a good time. So we'll have, you know, the a storytelling night, which is like I think like one of the best things that we do is that everybody loves stories, uh, but these stories are well uh, procured. I would say the people we have telling tor- telling stories, Giannis, you know, Patelis has said yes. Um, I've heard from you that Clay said yes. Is that correct? Clay, I don't know. Clay might be TBD, but we can, like, right now, if we just commit to it. I think we're saying it right, it right now. now. If we say it right now, he has to, right? Clay Newcomb will be there no matter what happens. <laughs> <laughs> hey, little we suspense. Have these amazing, we have these amazing storytellers. Um, and then I would say, like, some other good time and things that we're going to do is that uh, we have a uh, trivia night, which, you know, everybody can learn something from trivia. That will be fun. Uh, we will have a whiskey and wine event so we have our own whiskey now which is midnight for us done through spotted bear spirits it's absolutely delicious and then the back label is written by my favorite dude in the world jim posowitz um, and then we have a wine from pasalacqua wine that has our paw on the front um, it's a zinfandel and i don't know about you rachel or ben i'm not a real big wine drinker but when i hear it's zinfandel i think like pink fruity stuff this is like a cab like well that shows my ineptitude to be able to describe this, but it's like a red wine that is bomb. And so that's another fun thing we'll be doing. Um, I am a drinker. I am I'm a drinker of all of it. A lot of it. And this wine is, it is, it's, it is so yeah. amazing. It's a really, it's an amazing Zinfandel. So that's going to be rad. And then we're also going to have, we have something we do in this summer called hike to hunt and hike to hunt is a way for us to get ready, you know, for the, the impending fall, especially for fat guys like me. I need a time where actually people tell me what to do and I have a program. At uh, Rendezvous, we're going to have the opportunity to do a hike to hunt. It's going to go along the Bitterroot River, come up this hill. We'll be finishing, as Rachel described, right in front of where everybody is camping. So we're all going to be together, which I think is probably going to be the most fun and the least structured. But it's just everybody's going to be together the entire time. Um, And camping like they used to do in the old Rendezvous. You know, they didn't have hotels and bars to go to late at night. 
Uh, they hung out together and swapped stories around a campfire late at night, and that's exactly what we're going to do this year. Yeah, I, I told Lane it, it's going to feel like kind of you know you know you see in old Civil War movies where there's different campfires and there's people gathered around and there's kind of like different places you can visit. I'm very much uh, picturing the way this is going to be. I'm sure I've got it way off in my head, but listen, I always say I feel like it's not far off from what's in your head. I yeah. really am feeling this. A random just song sing along is going to break out. <laughs> Yeah. Like I just, I just really feel like it's gonna, it's gonna be like a warm, like the warm place we all needed, uh, six or eight months ago when we were in the cold, dark apartments and houses where we couldn't leave. So I do, I, I do just think as we, as we get into this, I always try to define this for people, but I say like these are my people, and I, I hate to say it like that almost these days, but it's the feeling that I get. It's the best way I can describe it. And again, every time I return and gather with these people um you're only left with kind of an amazement of 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 how this how they've come together and how they come with different perspectives diff- probably different ideologies many different ideologies to enjoy things like uh great field the table dinners whiskey maybe zinfandel i don't i've never i'm not a, a white is it a red zin i don't know like no it's a red zin it's a red zin okay it's right. a red that's fine it's good May I suggest that everyone gets a bison next year in 2022? <laughs> everybody, att- you pay a thousand dollars and you get your own bison, and you get to name it and you get to watch it via you know some sort of webcam and then eventually butcher it and eat it at the rendezvous. Uh, but- Interesting idea. We will talk. Ty about might that. be able to arrange for this. I don't know. Maybe that ties Ty's new business model. Uh, I'm sure I would get in trouble for that. That's just an idea. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, you talk about food, though. Like, we've talked about bison, right? Like, so, like, that's going to be amazing. We're going to get to watch this thing, you know, get butchered and all the, you know, different ways you can use bison, the ways you can use, you know, tongue, the ways you can use the hide, like, all the different ways the Native Americans, you know, who who know way better than anything we would ever figure out how to break a bison down. We will learn that. Um, but food is going to be a theme throughout the whole thing, too. And so you mentioned the field-to-table dinner. You know, and the field-to-table dinner will happen on Thursday night, uh, Ryan Bussey describes this as like the best dinner on the planet, um, which I love when he says that um, because it absolutely is. And we'll have, I think it's six chefs, you know, cook the most amazing wild game that you've ever had. And in little teeny portions. So you get to try basically all sorts of different things. Um, and I'm excited about that. We'll have our wild game cook off. Arizona is, is a two time defending champion. Uh, last year, I think they had, or two years ago when we actually had it together, uh, they won with poached sheep balls. And so these were desert bighorn sheep balls that they poached, and that's what was the winning combination. Wait, wait, so wait. That, that was the cooking technique they used. They poached, didn't act- yes. Yes, but it was desert bighorn. And then I <laughs> not the was- killing, yes. Yeah, not the killing. The killing was legal. The poaching came. Legal killing of big, big <laughs> Thank you for the clarification, by the way. Balls. That could have been taken totally out of context, and that, that we need uh. that clarification. That's going to be the title of my autobiography, Poached Sheep Poached Balls. Poached Balls. Poached Balls. Uh, Poached the Ben O'Brien stories. Be <laughs> um, but I would say that at the same time, uh, bear season is, season is going on in Montana, and, uh, and you'll be able to fish as well. And so in this area where people can camp, we'll also have some camp sta- or cook stations set up. And so the ability just to share food and hang out with folks the way we should be, uh, is going to be happening all over the place. So food is going to be throughout the weekend in particular. Yeah, and a lot of our, you know, most of our um, corporate partners will be there. Like Traeger is there, Camp Chef is there. 
They're the ones in the wild game village that are helping cook all of this stuff up. All of those amazing chefs that we're having at the field to table. They're the ones that are going to be out there, like doing these cooking demonstrations and showing folks different techniques. Um, so there's a lot of really great stuff as it pertains to food. We have a hunting and a fishing village where there's a lot of skills. We've got, you know, a couple of folks that are coming and they're going to do brain tanning, brain tanning demonstrations, just as an example. I think Giannis is going to do some bugling and elk calling techniques, um, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So, um, but more than any, and of course, a beer tent will open at noon and then conservation carnival where you get to humiliate your friends um, with different games um, to raise money for all the good work everyone does. So yeah, it'll be a good time. There, I mean, it sounds like the best time. I'm not going to lie. I mean, this is the pitch. This is a pitch to, for people to come join us, but man, this is this, it can't, I, I understand not everybody can make it to Missoula for this, but the virtual part it is really what sets this up for me to be something for everybody. You know, if you, if you yep. can't be there with us, but you want to catch some of these vibes you guys are talking about or get some of this knowledge and, and be a part of it, you really, you still can. And Rachel, you want to give people kind of the rundown on if they want to come to Missoula, what they do, if they want to jump in virtually, what is there one web page? Mm-hmm. Like how do you direct people to get to where they need to go? Yeah, super easy. Just go to Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, um, our website. Um, along the top bar with all of your different options, you're going to see Rendezvous 2021. You click on that. There's a brief description. There's um, a video there that you can watch. And then um, there's different choices. Like you can look at the schedule and agenda. You can look at the different lodging options. If you don't want to camp, of course, there's hotels. Um, so you can just look through there. But on that main page, you can actually purchase your tickets. So you can purchase in-person tickets. You can purchase your camping there, tickets to our special events. Um, and then also um, tickets virtual um, as well. So that's just a really easy spot where you can go. Uh, there's a ton of information there um, if you just click around, but super easy. The only thing I would say is that's three days of like hanging out with some of the greatest people you've ever hung out with. And I think that, you know, Ben, you've already talked about it, but I walk away being like, I can't believe there's that many people that think the way I do and think the way I do about conservation, think the way I do about the way I like to hunt. The opportunity to hang out with folks and learn. And then one of the greatest things that happens at these uh, rendezvous is people meet people from all across the country. And so when they want to go gator hunt down in Louisiana, or they want to go chase grouse in Maine, or they want to go up to Canada once the borders open again, they have a built-in network of people that they hung out around a campfire that know them and that they will take the shirt off their back to have them hunt in their home state or fish in their home state. So that's one of the, I think one of the coolest things is just the people that are going to be there and the relationships that you build. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that try to define BHA, right. From, from within and without, right. You go, there's a lot of exercises you do as an organization to define who you are and define your future. And there's a lot of people uh, on the outside that are trying to define you, but it's an organization that's defined by its people. You know, if you want to know what it's about, just just step through the door and meet a few people and you'll quickly know exactly what the organization is about and exactly its values. And as we were saying to people, you catch people from Arizona and New England coming together and immediately having a rapport. Uh, I've seen that a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways at at these events. And like I said, it, this is a no matter I could talk forever about it just because it, it means so much to me and so much to everybody else that takes part in it on a yearly basis. So I'm dude, I need a shot of BHA and I need some sunshine 
come on, Montana, please give us some sunshine. Right. And uh, I spent all turkey turkey season in the snow thus far in the rain. <laughs> uh, yeah, some camp. And I'm definitely going to camp. I'm going to pop up a two-person expedition tent and uh, a camp chef stove and uh, a comfortable chair and just hang out. And hopefully, what, what if we if we come by this uh, little setup you got? What are you going to be cooking? Mm-hmm. Well, or uh, definitely some wild turkey. I'm I'm gonna have probably. I don't want to commit to endless wild turkey nuggets there for any anybody that comes to approach me. But at certain times of the day, there will be nuggets to be had. I'm not. So when we put our noses <laughs> up in the air and we smell that, like smell that, that those nuggets wafting mm, through the air, we'll yes. know where to go. Yeah, this, this, the, you can just smell the sizzling panko breadcrumbs from any direction if you get downwind especially. Um, I definitely have plans for some like pronghorn fajitas and stuff. I'm da- That's a, a staple with the old Camp Chef single burner. What else? I don't know. That's a good question. Buy some poached balls now that you, th- you, know, you mentioned it. <laughs> and that's <laughs> the cooking it. technique, by the way. Yep, that's the cooking technique, not the way that the animal is acquired. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Lantani, what's your setup going to be? Man, I'm going to have my, uh, seek outside. And so just in case if it is raining, by the way, like bring your gear, right? Like bring your gear. Cause it could be raining. We'll, we'll hope for some rain, but, uh, we're all, you know, outdoors folks. So bring your gear above my seek outside tent. And then, uh, man, I, we're going to go paddle fishing the weekend before. So if we are so lucky, there may be some fresh uh, paddlefish that I'll be cooking, uh, like right there at, at, at the old uh, rendezvous at camp. Oh, look at oh, you! You got the white tag. Look at you! You're a winner, winner. I don't know what anything about paddlefish or how to get them, but I'm gonna get them sons of bitches. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, that is pretty congratulations! Awesome, dude. How are you? Oh, I'm so excited. This just came in the mail. This is like my paddlefish, my first ever paddlefish tag, and. Uh, I'm very excited about this. So that's a I good got my point. first last year, and I'll never go back. And I will say, the meat is a lot like alligator, a mm. lot like alligator. I had a, a a neighbor here gave me some paddlefish caviar uh, last year, and oh for sure, yeah, salty. <laughs> but he also gave me a few steaks, man, a few fillets, and my gosh, was it good? So when I learned, I draw drew that this year, and. I didn't know the tag came as it did until just now. So being a Montana newbie, I feel like this is a bit of a rite of passage to go out and snag a paddlefish this year. Absolutely. Good luck. I'm ready to go. Uh, hopefully by then I'll have a, I'll be just coming. I'll be on the back end of a Wyoming bear hunt with our friends at Hushin and Weatherby. So hopefully I'll have some, you know, some bear in the crock pot probably over at awesome. our place. You know, some Maybe some, some bear schnitzel. I don't know what I'm going to do. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop 
for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Now, Rachel, you have a reputation for doing things, let's just say, the right way and living life the way that all of us were, would hope to live it. Or do you I'm have trying a, really hard, Ben. You are succeeding. Do you have an elaborate setup for your camp? Like, what? What? Describe people what you're planning to do. No, I don't. I wouldn't say it's elaborate. I have many different camping setups depending on what exactly I'm doing. Um, this particular um, setup, I will be pulling. I have a really fun little R-Pod camper. And I made sure it's, it, it had to be used because there was only four years that they made a model that has an exterior rear kitchen. So I can pop open the back hatch and then I've got an exterior kitchen that then becomes really more like the bar for the neighborhood. And I'm mostly known for really kind of being where the bar is. Um, and so, yeah, that is, um, there's, uh, if you see a hatch open with blue lights and then a metal table sitting out that looks like a bar. That's me. So just stop and have a drink. Yep. Strobe lights, any black lights, strobe lights, just. Mm, 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 uh, nope. No, I, I've not gotten that far yet, but it does have a stereo system. So, I'm, Perfect. you know, maybe some Tyler Childers, something like that coming out of the speakers, I would say. I dig that. I dig that. Yeah. I, like I said, I think after a couple of days, we're all going to kind of like gather we're going to have kind of mega camps, I feel like. Correct. So that's my prediction. Mega camps will yes. form. Tribes will be made and we will uh, battle it out for supremacy in the culinary and probably hangover game, which I often do my best to win. Uh, um, now, now that said, that said, like this is super a kid-friendly event too. We're going to have tons of mm-hmm. events for kids um, and things that they can do, hands-on things that they can do, um, and uh, you know, tons of things for them to learn. Um, so... Just because tons of families think, there, my children will be there as well. Yeah, my kids are. My kids actually, it's like state soccer tournaments. They are probably not going to be there, which is super unfortunate, and I'm super sad. But yes, there's going to be tons of kids there. Yep, like I said, I mean, 
to me, it's going to be, you know, there'll be a lot of areas to hang out free flowing. Like it, it, I mean, it feels good to be talking this way, to be, to be planning to gather in this way after all this time. So you guys will excuse me if I'm not just beaming about the opportunity to get out there with you guys and, uh, rip it up in whatever way we can. So I, that now you say that I might have to bring, uh, my older son, James, he, I think he will do well. You should. And it's, you know, I think we'll have, we have two kind of camping areas too. We have a quiet camping area and a loud camping area. (laughs) And so, you know, depending on where you want to be, Ben, now it doesn't mean that you can't hang out late night at the loud camping area, but there is the opportunity to like get some rest uh, in the quiet camping area. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hopefully uh, everyone joins us that can make it and if you can't make it we definitely understand um we want you to join us virtually you want you to, to get in on the good vibes uh as i, yeah, said and I just want to back that up too just one more time it's like yes we we all know what the energy is like we've been there we love getting together every year literally wouldn't miss it for the world except for when covid happens and what we did virtual um but it this is a really amazing opportunity for any of your listeners who have been hearing about us talk about VHA for so long, and maybe they, they've never been able to participate in an event, they haven't been involved with their chapters. Like, this is a great opportunity of a window into like the things we're interested in, what we like to do, what we like to talk about. Um, we've got some great panel discussions. We never avoid tough conversations. We want to educate each other. We want to you know, talk about important things. So, um, you know, I just, it's a great opportunity to virtually, you know, tap in, you've got, you'll get the agenda, you can just pop in and out, um, sessions will be recorded. If you can't miss, if you can't make something live, you can go back and watch it after the fact. So all the storytelling, everything that we normally experience, everyone will be able to experience virtually as well. That's awesome. As we, as we were saying earlier, you know, that's the something that we talked about last year, we're going to learn something during COVID and we're going to be able to capitalize it on that later in, whether it was in a year or two years, we didn't know at the time, but here we are able to have folks join us that, that wouldn't have had the opportunity in years past. So I'm, I'm happy for that. And again, everyone's heard me talk about BHA and gush about it and defend it. And uh, this is, as Rachel just said, is an example of one way. There's many ways, but this is one way you can come and understand what the ethos of this group is, how we like to have fun, but we'll also take our conservation and our public lands seriously. And uh, it all comes together in this one awesome, I guess we call it a weekend, but it really, at this point, it's what, four days, three days? How many days are we? Yeah, I think chapter leaders start showing up on Wednesday, which is absolutely yeah. awesome. We have our chapter leaders come in from all across North America, though I don't know if they'll open the border yet up in Canada. So we'll see if, if our northern friends can hang out. Um, but yeah, people from all across the country. And, you know, again, man, I the people you meet, like you, you said it earlier, Ben, it's the people, the people, the people that define BHA. And so if you've ever had a question about who BHA is, or if you wanted to uh, connect with the people at BHA, this is the ama- probably the most amazing opportunity to be actually be able to do that. Absolutely. Well, um, I want to pivot. There's no good way to pivot from this party to the next topic I want to talk about. <laughs> We're going to do it anyway. <laughs> you got to be in this line of work. You got to be a master of uh, the transitions. I wanted to talk about one thing that I just wrote down. I was thinking about talking to you guys. One, I wanted to just get stoked for the rendezvous, get fully feel of the pregame action i think we've done that but the other thing i was thinking about i just wrote in, in in my notebook bipartisan and i underlined it about 40 effing times yeah because 
I've had, you know, Lance, you've come on before and we've talked about bipartisan efforts and bills, the public lands package being probably the most recent one. But I wanted to just explore the concept in, in tangible terms for people because everybody understands what bipartisan means, what it, what it might mean in the political sense. But I think we're often, I know we're often uh, this day and age getting beat over the head with partisanship. And a lot of people tell us that we're partisan before we've even seen an issue or thought about something. They're they're telling us, "Aren't you frustrated with how partisan things are?" I'm like, we haven't even started talking. <laughs> Is that the first? How are we going to preface every conversation with partisanship? So, I wanted to just get you guys to define, like, in your daily working lives, what bipartisanship means, and that could be, you know, as you take it, and then start to to line out some real tangible things in your careers that you've both seen that ha- that have happened that have you know brought different sides of a uh, political ideology or social or cultural and something that's become bipartisan because I know that we've all celebrated those things when we get the chance. So, Land, you're up first. Bipartisan, man. So big topic. Uh, I mean, I guess I would start that public lands and public waters belong to all of us. And those public lands and public waters, they don't care if you're a Republican, they don't care if you're a Democrat, they don't care if you're an independent. Like all we have to do is just, you know, get out there and experience them just like anybody else. And so what a great, you know, nonpartisan place, I would say. I am partisan and I'm partisan to like hunting, fishing and conservation. You know, like I, I, that's, that's what I'm partisan towards. And I think that's what BHA is partisan towards. And so, when we make decisions every single day, it is based on does this improve access to public lands and waters? And does this provide quality habitat once you get there? Those are pretty easy things to make decisions on. Does that make us partisan sometimes? Yeah, for hunting, fishing, and for conservation. That's, the, that's really what we're doing. Um, I would say, you know, the rendezvous, since we've been talking about it, I'll go to the last time that we were in, uh, in Boise. So in Boise, you have a Democratic mayor who showed up to our uh, showed up to our uh, uh, brew fest and like welcomed everybody you know that was there. So a Democratic mayor later during the brew fest, a Governor Little, who was a Republican, came out and declared it Public Lands Day. And so you have this Democrat and you have this Republican that probably on you know the face of things don't agree on anything. But where do they come together? They came together at BHA and they came together around public lands and public waters. And so very tangible thing, I would say, that uh, happened just around the rendezvous. That's something we try to do all the time is just invite folks, you know, to to come um, that support our public lands. Um, You know, you mentioned the Great American Outdoors Act kind of the that got passed this last summer. You know, it had full or nine hundred million dollars a year for Land and Water Conservation Fund then $9.5 billion to address the backlog. Like that was passed in huge bipartisan fashion. And when we say bipartisan, what does that mean? It was like 72 to like 18. There was a few people that didn't vote in the Senate. Like that's Democrats and Republicans voting for something that normally hate each other and want to talk about the biggest differences. But there they came together. I would say most recently, this happened on uh, Thursday of last week, uh, which was, happened to be uh, Earth Day. That legislation was introduced called the Recovering America's Wildlife Act. RAWA, which is in short, basically tries to keep common species common and then uh, 
those other species out of the emergency room so that we don't have to put them on the endangered species list. So this funding, if this bill is passed, will go towards state agencies and tribal agencies to make sure that we know about the species that we care about and then do appropriate conservation, again, to keep them common if they're common and to keep them out of the emergency room if not. That was, that was introduced with two Republicans and two Democrats. That is bipartisan. And again, what is it around? It's not about public lands and public, and, and, and public waters. It's around public wildlife, right? So it's this third kind of these three things. And not that they can't come you know, together and agree on other things, like when they should take vacation and how much money they should be paid or that kind of thing. And I'm being a little glib there. But, or flip, but what do they come together again all the time around? It's public lands, public waters, and in this case, public wildlife. And so that, to me, is what bipartisan is. Um, and, and again, like from BHA's perspective, yeah, we're partisan as hell. And it's for hunting and fishing and conservation. That's how we make our decisions every single day. Yep. Rachel? Well, how do you follow up that? Um, that was going to be my well, question, but go ahead. I know. Well, so <laughs> as you know, I spent the last three years um, literally working in government and politics. Um, and so I had the extreme luxury of coming into that world from private industry. So talk about a 180 on a level that I don't, my mind could barely comprehend. Um, but I was able to come in in this amazing space that is outdoor recreation. And when, you, when, I, could, when I was coming into it, it was, a, it was outdoor recreation and government, outdoor recreation and industry. Hardly ever, ever did political party really come up because, yes, I was working in government. Yes, we're working, you know, politics has everything to do with it. But it's this amazing thing where all of a sudden, like if you're talking about outdoor recreation and you're talking about doing things that we love or passionate about, like like those like those labels and those easy buckets that you can put people in just kind of melt away because, you know, like you meet somebody at a conference and you've got different offices of outdoor rec from different, you know, states and different agency leaders. No one is literally like, what party are they in? What party are they in? What like that is just never a conversation because of the space and like what we were, what we worked on. It was literally like, hey, are you a climber? Hey, are you a hunter? And you know, I was labeled, I was like, kind of like our group's like hunter gal, right? Like it's like those are the labels that we were talking about. And it was just this like amazing, remarkable space and energy that was created and but that's what is so applicable to BHA and I think by and large even above a lot of others out there is like we're not going in asking for how do you classify yourself this way or how do you classify yourself that way you're literally you're coming in and being like what tags did you draw this year and like no no one's just no one's no one cares because ultimately we all know what we care about and we care about hunting. We care about fishing. We care about habitat. We care about all the things that support what we love and what we're passionate about. And so recreation and hunting and angling, like this is literally the space that people from very, very, very polar opposite spaces can come together and have the most remarkable conversations and find out they have everything in common. And you see it over and over and over again. And so that's why I'm so excited to like, even see in the last like four or five years, this growth of conversation 
out of shared passion. Um, and I think that it's like this one small glimmering, like shining beacon in all of this partisan craziness out there um, that, you know, we are able to come together and make headway. Like Land said, like the Great American Outdoors Act, like that was like, again, this like shining beacon. It's like, oh my gosh, like what is it that we all have in common? And you look at that, but then it's like, well, geez, if we have that in common and, you know, we all care about that, just think about maybe what else we have in common. We're just not listening to, we're not willing to listen to each other. So I don't know, just, I've loved being, you know, I loved working in the office of outdoor rec because of that. And then obviously, you know, working with BHA and knowing the membership and knowing how we work together. Um, yeah. Like we just don't paint each other into boxes. We just care about what we care about. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting, to me, it was always, as I try to think about how this works in my own life, I think about what I'm passionate about. Right. And I think about how that helps me, you know, level set my value system. What do I care about? You know, what can I really impact in the world? And then you, then you say, okay, well, hunting, fishing, wild places, you know, healthy ecosystems, populations, a wild game that we can all value, you know, that we have in public trust. And then you think, okay, well, how, how does that help us bridge the divides that we know are there? socially, culturally, you know, and and oftentimes physically. And that's where this becomes a bridge. What we're talking about, the subject matter we're talking about becomes a bridge because we share so much in this realm. We, uh, We often say that, at least on this show, that it's pretty easy in this continent, at least, because most people share value for wildlife. We kind of have different ways of approaching, uh, how to manage that wildlife, how to, interact and cohabitate and and some of those really complex issues but by then we all share this idea that we want them around and we all look up at that mountain we all say "Hmm, looks pretty cool i'd like that to stay there you know i'd like that to remain the way it is now so it it is lance honey it it feels like we're we're at least standing on a bridge if i haven't already walked across it huh yeah. Well, just like Land was talking about how he likes to, he was talking about the birds and rattling off the birds in his backyard and he watches birds. I would rather gouge my eyeballs out with a toothpick. But Dude, I, was just I, appreciate, I appreciate that Land likes the birds and I'm happy he cares about them because I care about those things too, but I like the ones I can kill and I don't really pay attention to the other ones. Just being honest, but I support Land in his bird watching. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Um, I guess one other way, one of the angle I'd say, Ben, too, is that uh, that I would describe bipartisan is, is that, you know, we've been talking about how we all come together, you know, for a shared cause. And that's all been positive. But there's also those things that are proposed that are either by a Democrat or a Republican that we do not agree with. And what is awesome is to see the pushback that comes back in a bipartisan fashion. Right. It's like Democrats will push back against a a Democrat, the Republican pushback, that's easy to anticipate, right? Like, oh, a Democrat did something, Republicans are just going to say no. Same thing with Democrats, you know, like a Republican does something and then Democrats are easy to see there. But when you have Democrats and Republicans and independents pushing back on an ill-fated idea, that is where like the power comes in. So we can talk about the positive pieces, which we have been, but I also think when there is something that needs to be pushed back on that somebody proposed that just wasn't well-educated or has a pet project that isn't good for public lands, isn't good for public waters, is not good for public wildlife, the amount of pushback that comes back that is bipartisan against that, I think that is a true sense of really what that word is because it'd be easy to be quiet about it. 
Yeah, we had that recently. I, I would say even within the organization, there were some. I made. I had a position on crossbows, a one that really wasn't uh, agreed upon by our Montana chapter, and we yeah. we were able to. I think because of this, this we understand each other. We have a shared value system. Pretty work through that pretty damn quickly. <laughs> Just yeah. say like, here's where I am. Here's where you are. I had a lot of emailers want to discuss it. We discussed it on air and off, and um, we're able to work through some of those things and get to a place where there was. I think both sides were probably unlikely to agree, but came to an agreement pretty damn quickly to say, like, I think if we had a, a position, this is what it ought to be. Boom, done, living living the good life. Um, and I think that's because we – go ahead. Well, sorry to cut you off. I guess I, no. I would say that's part about, like, again, that bipartisanship is the ability to have conversations – and then this dirty word called compromise, right? Like, when did that become a compromise? Or, you know, when did it become, like, when did, com- sorry, when did compromise become a dirty word? Yeah. Like, compromise is, like, how the world works. Like, I don't know, Ben, how you're doing with your wife and these two young kids, but if they, you were like, this is going to be my way or the highway, that wouldn't work out very well. You know, and I would say the same thing if I was like, Rachel, well, maybe this is a bad example, but Rachel, <laughs> you got to drink, like, Boone's Farm for the rest of your life only. Like, and she's like, no, well, how about, how about, you know, BHA is infidel. And I was like, okay, we can compromise, right? Like, so like, and that's not the best example. I apologize for that. But I think this idea of conversations, actually listening to somebody and then coming up with like something that works for both people, like that is like one of the best things about bipartisanship that I can like even like, Mm -hmm. I mean, and this idea that, oh, you flip-flopped or you changed, you know, the way you thought about something. Man, if we're not, if we're not able to listen to people that we disagree with and find a path forward with them, like what world are we living in? You know, like this idea that we're just going to beat everybody over the head and you got to think exactly the way I do. Like that is not the way the world works. And I think that's one of the important things about bipartisanship is finding compromise in the middle. I, I don't, I don't trust and don't feel comfortable in a situation where you have a group of people that 100% agree with one another, because that is complete and utter horse shit. We don't all agree on everything. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy to work with people in the areas that we do agree on, on things together. But like, if you talk about compromise, I feel like compromise comes from like a more defensive position, like something has happened to me. And so I'm in a defensive position. And so therefore we now are compromising. And so like, if you look at it on the flip side, like the buzzword is collaboration. And I feel like collaboration is doing the same thing, but it's doing it in a proactive instead of a a reactive manner, I guess offensive defensive maybe is wrong, but again, compromise is like from this reactive versus collaboration comes from this like proactive space. You're still doing the same thing. Um, it's just that oftentimes when you get to the point where it's compromised, people feel attacked, people feel, um, you know, like things are happening to them that are out of their control. Um, and that's why we've made so much headway, like in proactive collaboration, I think over the years to get these things done. Um, and I think there's a huge shift that way. So I don't know. I just, again, I compromise isn't a bad word. It's just often done in a, a space and a place where people feel a little more frantic about it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that being, you know, reminding each other all the time that we, we, we're kind of starting from a similar place. There's a lot of people that want to argue that we're not, you know, that a rancher from Wyoming can't get along with uh, a suburban kid from New York uh, I think you would both agree that we've seen that in BHA in spades and land. You're, you're probably the, 
the number one evidence that you can go from pint night to you know chapter meeting to back when we could travel like you're you're we were getting on you a lot for traveling too much and being out there too much and being uh too involved if that's a possible thing because we wanted your we wanted you to keep your sanity and, and be able to to lead our organization but the truth is you probably as much as anybody have seen kind of people gathering around these ideas and th- and and shared value systems instead of coming to it like well there's no way we can get along and i'm pretty happy that the thing i love the most is is kind of the campfire that people are gathering around it's pretty amazing it's it's unbelievable i feel so lucky to be in that situation yeah the campfire is uh pretty amazing and i think you know and i'm gonna butcher this a little bit but i think you know jim Pozowitz would talk about like the hunter with the right heart you know, and that's, that's again, like what I find all across the country. And you mentioned, you know, some suburb or some, you know, city person from New York and a, and a rancher, like that shared love for like the landscapes that, you know, we all get to participate in, you know, that we're very lucky that 640 million acres that belongs to us all. Like that shared love for those opportunities and just the ability to even think and dream about it like that that's a place where I think we all start and it's something that binds us. And then after that, you know, it's, it's really individual individuals that uh, have different perspectives on different angles of that. But at the end of the day, can agree that that is like one of the main things that binds us. And, and to me, that's one of the most exciting things is like when I go to like North Carolina, a place I really hadn't been uh, until this job and I'm ready to be underwhelmed underwhelmed by their public lands, underwhelmed by their commitment to conservation. You know, I'm growing up in Montana and this is something of what we do and who we are. And I got over there and they had the same passion for the public lands. They have amazing public lands from the coast to the mountains. And, you know, to learn from them and like the birthplace of like modern, I think, uh, Gifford Pinchot, you know, there's like, there's like, there's like a, there's like even a cabin where like the birthplace of like kind of forestry was in this country. Like, they're so prideful about that piece, you know, and I really didn't know that story until I came there. And when I go to all these different places across North America, that same story is told. The characters may be different, but that pride and like and 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 what they have and where they're going and how they're participating in this um, unique experiment. Like, they're just excited to be part of that, man. And that 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 to me uh, fills the bucket, as I've said before, and. While it might have been driving me nuts a little bit and, uh, and you know, wasn't great uh, for myself physically or mentally, man, it was awesome, too. And I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. To, to your point, man, I'm, I'm just this conversation to be able to talk about these concepts and, and think about the, su- the success that BHA has had uh, has been an easy road. But there are so many points along the way that we can celebrate and to, to have to kind of take a year off from gathering and then know that we're we're barreling towards another celebration of, of what this is and what we do, man, I couldn't be um, more elated, more excited, more hopeful to to see that coming together. So I would, I guess I want to say to both of you guys, thanks for the work that you do and have done and will do. It means a lot to me and I know the listeners of this show, if you're, so many of you are BHA members, but if you're not, I know you all still admire the work that's being done. And again, as you always say, Lan, I mean, it's, if, you're, if it's not BHA, there's a, a bunch of great organizations out there 
to spend your conservation time, energy, and dollars. Um, boy, I sure do like BHA, but that doesn't mean I don't also love NWTF and RMEF and and, and you uh, don't have to be a member to do the work. That's the yeah. thing is like, join us in the conversation, listen to the conversations. If something hits you and you're passionate about that, you don't have to be invited to participate. And that is part, I think that's part of the problem is that it's daunting. And like, how do I, how am I involved? How can I get involved? And obviously that's what BHA is about is teaching people and helping people be involved, elevate their voice, use their actions. Um, but you don't have to be a member. Like you can reach out, you can take action um, everyone is invited to the table. That's what we're supposed to do. We elect people and then we tell them what to do or we go and we work with policymakers. We do all of those things. It's the hard work and it's, you don't see it right away and you don't see the tangible benefit right away, but it's the hard work that everyone's willing to tackle when we sign on for this. So, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen in these recent state legislative sessions after an election, the flurry of legislation that gets pushed on a state level. It's happened here in Montana. It's happened in Utah. It's ha- I mean, name a state basically. And, um, our, our state leaders, chapter leaders have jumped into this with both feet and every example that I've ever seen. And, um, like I said, whether or not I understand the issue or even agree with the the stance, I know that those people are, are coming from a place that I appreciate and coming from a place that I value and they're fighting for the things I'm going to fight for. So, I mean, that's a good, it's damn good to have that knowledge that all those people are out there. Yeah, and I, Ben, I would say that, you know, none of what we have today happened by accident, right? Like, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants, and whether that's the the big people that we know about, like the Theodore Roosevelt's and the Aldo Leopold's of the world. I, by the way, that's best shirt of all time. Like, Aldo effing Leopold. Like, I, I love that shirt. Um, that... All these things that we experience today are because other people stepped up at these state legislatures, at the federal level, right? Like, and it, it's not like that ever goes away. It's just our time to do our part. And how exciting that we can get to have this conversation about being engaged, where in other parts of the world, we would be fighting for scraps. And like here, we're trying to preserve something that's available to everybody. And how lucky are we? Like, that is like to me, and again, I know that we don't get to get to this finish line, right? And be like, okay, we're done. Like, we've done it all. Like, we don't have to do any other work. Like, it's always going to be there. And I hope that, you know, my young kids care about it or somebody else's young kids care about it and help move it forward. But again, I'm just excited to have such an amazing team to hang out with um, to do this every single day. And and Ben, I would count you with that like every step of the way. And I was joking, you know, a little bit about that Ben Long um you know, kind of email that I looked up, but it's the truth, man. Like you stick out and I just appreciate you on the team. Nah, it's good to be a part of it. As I probably told you from the very beginning, I've said a bunch of different times, you know, I, I have a son now. I just spent 11 days on our public lands straight hunting turkeys and every single tag I bought anyone can buy Yeah, and all very affordable, all extremely accessible you can camp, you can fish, you can hike, you can turkey hunt. I just did that. It's not that it's it's not a concept that you can't feel. Like I just I I didn't spend a single I didn't put a single boot print on private ground. That wasn't you know it wasn't me getting out of the truck on the highway to take a piss. So I I know that I celebrate that in my daily life, and it's not it's not a lost on me when I watch my little kid feel, you know smile and and 
understand that same thing. So I told you, I probably the first time we talked on the phone after that Ben Long email, I said, I'll do it, man, because I'm about to have a kid. Yeah. And um, I want that young young man to know what I know. He'll do with it whatever he pleases, and he'll be free to to use it as much as he like. But I just want him to know that resources there for him and those people that defended her are uh, standing there right beside you. So it's uh, it all sounds very uh, highfalutin right now and very inspirational. <laughs> but hey, it is. I'm sorry. It is. Deal with it. We're inspired. If you don't like it, leave. <laughs> no, just, kidding. just kidding. It's all very inspiring. And uh, so thank you to, to Rachel and thanks to you, Land. And we'll hope to see you in Missoula, everybody. Uh, come on by. I'll, I'll have uh, some some turkey nuggets at the very least ready for everybody. You've heard it here. There'll be turkey nuggets and then Rachel will have a big blue bar. So uh, like you can't go wrong with either one of those things. We are, we should uh, make a, like I said, a mega camp is in the offing where we eat everybody, everybody has their job to do, you know, everybody specifically, you got to provide this. Correct. Yes. We got to come together at times like this, especially uh, whiskey, Zinfandel, whatever else. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thank you so much i appreciate you backcountryhunters.org go check it out check out the rendezvous sign up now join us virtually or in person it will be an epic party see you guys see you ben thank you thanks for having us on good talking as always that's it that's all another episode in the books Thank you to Land Tawny, Rachel Schmidt, and everybody at BHA. So please come join us at the Rendezvous, uh, one of the coolest gatherings and one of the coolest organizations in all of hunting and conservation. And please come join us for Phil's first turkey hunt, which is coming right up here in the weeks to come, the final two weeks of the program. Um, I would, I guess, like the end of our shows for the, for the rest of this, we want to try to address, you know, the end of this this here program and. And um, as you would expect, Phil, hundreds of emails coming in, DMs, Instagram DMs, a lot of people, some people confused, some people angry, <laughs> so, which, hey, the podcast was free, so, you know, mm-hmm. it was always free. Um, some people wanted to reflect, a lot of people um, just just generally interested in the reasoning behind the show going away. I don't want to get into any of that, but what I will do is is read some emails from some some folks who are reflective and and even emotional. So you're going to see uh, that evolution with our our buddy Josh Engelhart. He wrote in, "Dear sweet Benjamin and Philip, I am a smidgen behind on my podcast, but I was just told by my chapter leader that the podcast is over. WTF? I just heard a few seconds ago, and I feel like I'm going to throw up. THC is a sunny spot in my life, and I'm sad to hear the news." Is there anything we can do to keep it around? I still have to listen to the most recent podcast. Fuck, this sucks so much. Thanks for doing what you do. I'll miss you guys. Josh. Like many people, Josh took a little bit of time to reflect and then wrote back in a little bit later. He said, uh, first, I'd like to apologize for my last email. I admit I was a bit emotional hearing the news of the end. It might be weird, but having you in my ear or on my radio is like sitting down with an old friend. Not the kind you haven't seen since childhood or dread conversation with, but the sort where no matter how long you've been apart, you can pick it up just as though you spoke yesterday. I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to your conservation conversations. You've challenged my way of thinking and opened my mind. It sounds dramatic, but I feel I live differently after all the time spent listening to the show. 
I'm slower to judge and much more empathetic than I've ever been. I guess I just want to say thanks for not just for the show, but for how you've made my life better. I feel like I'm losing a friend. Is this email going to be dissolved after the show is over? Is there any way to still contact you after the end? Thanks, fellas. Josh. First of all, THC at the mediator.com, I imagine, will live on forever, Phil. Mm-hmm. Do you think so? Sure. I think they'll just delete There's it? no reason to shut it down. Yeah. yeah. Sure, let's keep I mean, it as going. long as Ben's reading the emails. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely read the email. Listen, you can get a hold of me any which way. Instagram, uh, THC at the mediator.com. Join one of our chapters. Get, get in touch with the leaders of those chapters. Uh, I'll still be very active in that kind of stuff. And we'll still have many ways to communicate. Um, so as much as I do also feel like I'm losing thousands and thousands of friends, because <laughs> um, people say, do you have friends? I'm like, thousands of them. Yeah. You won't even know how many friends I have. Um, but but in all serious, Josh and everyone else listening that f- that, that shares his, his emotions, uh, we take this very seriously here. The connection we've had with you has been been awesome. Um, the fact that you so many of you have been willing to to spend time not only listening to us but interacting with us, whether you drew Phil's voice face or you wrote a po- poetic review for this program or you made a video about a conservation bill. Um, I can't think of all the other things. Or you, that people or you have left done. a one-star review on iTunes yeah. calling, calling Ben a green decoy. Yeah, any of those things. <laughs> sure. A dirty lib. <laughs> any of those things that you did to spend time with us. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> Um, all of it, man. All of it is uh, has been fun, and it's been a one hell of a long run for us. Um, and so we, we will continue to be reflective and, and celebrate this with all of you. And we'll, but we're, but the main thing is that we're not going to change what we've been here to do for the next couple episodes, which is laugh, make fun of ourselves, but also have some conversations that challenge us and that push us forward because that job is never going to be over. It could, it could go on for as long as I'm around and as long as Phil's around and as long as all of you are out there. So um, first things first, thank you. Second thing, go find uh, your THC chapter on Facebook and join. And uh, and, and those connections that you may make there will uh, keep this podcast and, and everything it means to me and to, to you going uh, into the future, even when it's not here anymore. Anything, Phil, that you'd like to add to that? Uh, not really. I mean – we we could have the show go on for like eight seasons. Yeah. And then in the last season, they crown Bran the king of Westeros <laughs> and people are disappointed. Yeah. Because he has a good story or something, right? Oh, man. Yeah. I think we might end this like the Sopranos. <laughs> exactly. Me and Phil would just be having breakfast after the turkey hunt. And, <laughs> and then cut it. to black. Yeah. Fade to black. Instead of, instead of, do you know what makes a good king? A story. Do you know what, who has a good story? Like Sh- that kid who's Shut been living, up, a little in, living in a tree for four years. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't even. He wasn't even in one season. <laughs> <laughs> we could. Uh, we could. The last episode could just be us recapping that for Stephen Ranella. As was one of my <laughs> yeah, favorite. Screw my turkey hunt. Let's yeah. bring Steve back in here. We'll, we'll force him to watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> and just he just <laughs> probably fire me right at that moment. Uh-huh. I'll be out. Um, all right, guys. Anyway, sorry. I think you wanted something heartfelt from me. No, I, I didn't. No, okay. <laughs> I would admit to it being like it feels like a little bit self-serving to be heartfelt because then you have to just build up something that um, is is just a podcast. But again, I'm listening, man. I hear you guys. I've read all your emails. If I haven't replied to you, I apologize, uh, your DMs or your emails. But um, I've read them all and I'm um, uh, catching all the feels there, Philly. 
catching all the feels. It's important to us. I know it's important to you. So thank you for listening. We got two more episodes, 176 and 177. Uh, you know what's coming. And that's Phil the Engineer killing a turkey. No pressure, Phil. But it means a lot to me. Say bye. Bye. Ain't you gone and tune your bow We're the Hunt Collective Show Calling hunters new and old The Hunt Collective Show Working pick and shovel Or working pen and hand We congregate now As lovers of the land Mindful and we're focused We're just living for the search Dreaming of a fire And a salty Gilbert But we ain't coming back Till it's cold and late We're taking it slow so Clean your gun, tune your bow, we're the hunting collective show, calling hunters new and old, ain't no cold times old. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.